Hello, this is Jos Parapole, solution priest and clinical psychologist at Sumedha Center for Psycho-Spiritual Wellbeing at Jolly Court, Uttarakhand, with another edition of Psyche and Soul. In this edition, I present practices that help us age gracefully. While I was in a neighboring country for a workshop a few years ago, I visited a nearby convent where there were a few nuns I knew. While having tea, the superior of the community told me, you must visit the youngest member of our community. I was taken to an upstairs room where I met Sister Gladys, name changed. She had a beaming smile and her entire face had a glow of joy which lit up the room. She engaged me in pleasant conversation. She was 97 years young. She had been lying in her bed for a few months now. She had to be helped onto a wheelchair for her to move anywhere. Despite her condition, she appeared so happy and fulfilled and had the capacity to make others happy. I said to myself, that's what it means to age gracefully. My encounter with Sister Gladys happened more than 20 years ago. But the image of the beaming, joyful sister who had aged so gracefully remains an indelible and delightful memory. There are countless others like Sister Gladys who have been able to live happy, graceful lives and enjoy well-being even in old age, despite the many setbacks and limitations. Post-midlife years can be difficult for a variety of reasons. The slowing down of metabolism and the weakening immune system can lead to disabilities and illness. Loss of hearing, impaired vision and limited motor agility can be particularly frustrating. There can be lack of feelings of self-efficacy for a variety of reasons. The negative attitudes expressed by family or community members, colleagues and younger people toward the incompetence, dependence or old-fashioned ways of older people can lead many of them feel quite discouraged about their self-worth. Despite these challenges, it is possible to age gracefully. Research on aging provides many insights as to what is required to age gracefully. I list some of these reputed researches. The MacArthur Foundation study on aging was undertaken by a group of 16 scientists drawn from biology, neuroscience, 
neuropsychology, epidemiology, sociology, genetics, psychology, neurology, physiology, and geriatric medicine. Their conclusion on what leads to successful aging, the ability to maintain three key behaviors or characteristics. A. Low risk of disease and disease-related disability. B. High mental and physical function. And C. Active engagement with life. The Mills Longitudinal Study compared cohorts of sick and healthy women at ages 41, 51, and 61. This study too identified three characteristics of those who age successfully. A. Increase in life satisfaction. B. Reduce negative effect. And C. Increase in generative activities. Negative effect refers to emotions such as anger, guilt, shame, and so on. Generative activities refer to actions that express care for and attention to others. The Harvard study of adult development, known as arguably the longest study of aging in the world, consisted of three separate cohorts of 824 individuals or selected as teenagers for different facets of mental and physical health nearly a century ago and studied for their entire lives. The first is a sample of 268 socially disadvantaged Harvard graduates born about 1920, the longest prospective study of physical and mental health in the world. The second is a sample of 456 socially disadvantaged inner-city men born about 1930, the longest prospective study of blue-collar adult development in the world. The third is a sample of 90 middle-class intellectually gifted women born about 1910, the longest prospective study of women's development in the world. George Wayland, a former director of the study, writes in his book, Successful Aging, quote, It is not the bad things that happen to us that doom us. It is the good people who happen to us at any age that facilitate enjoyable old age, unquote. Successful aging is also facilitated by a capacity for gratitude, for forgiveness, and loving and being loved by a particular person. Alcohol abuse consistently predicted unsuccessful aging, in part because alcoholism damaged future social supports. Learning to play and create after retirement and learning to gain younger friends as one loses older ones were also significant contributors. Objective good physical health was less important 
to successful aging than subjective good health. What is meant by this is that it is all right to be ill as long as one does not feel sick. The Harvard study also identified some significant characteristics of those who age gracefully. They care about others, are open to new ideas, and within the limits of physical health, maintain usefulness to society and help others. They show cheerful tolerance of the difficulties of old age. They insist on sensible autonomy, that is doing for themselves and by themselves what they are able to, while willing to acknowledge their dependency needs and gracefully accept the help offered them. When ill, they are patients for whom a doctor enjoys caring. They are optimistic and look at the bright side of life. They maintain hope in life. They retain a sense of humor and a capacity for play. They are able to spend time in the nostalgic reminiscence of the past, yet they remain curious and continue to learn from the next generation. They try to maintain contact with old friends while making new ones. The non-study directed by David Snowden and colleagues originally begun as a study of Alzheimer's disease, asked, quote, why do some of the sisters age gracefully, continuing to teach and serve, retaining their mental faculties into their 80s and 90s, even past 100? Why do others who have lived such similar lives appear to lose themselves forgetting their closest friends and relatives and in the end becoming almost wholly disconnected from the world around them." Unquote. The risk of death at any given year after age 65 is about 25% lower for the school sisters of Notre Dame, the subjects of the non-study, than it is for the general population of women in the United States. What is it that helped these sisters to live dramatically longer, average age 89? The youngest in the study was 84, the oldest 106 years, and healthier lives than their lay counterparts. The study provided the following answers. Exercise. All the walking the sisters had done at a time when motorized transport was rarely available at the beginning of the last century had helped them to live long and healthy. Exercise is one of the most reliable ways to preserve cardiovascular health. Exercise improves blood flow, bringing the brain the oxygen and the nutrients it needs to function well. Exercise reduces the stress hormones and increases the chemicals that nourish the brain cells.
these changes help ward off depression and some kinds of damage to the brain tissue. Two, education. About 85% of the sisters in the nun study had bachelor's degrees and about 45% had master's degrees. Astounding statistics for any age group, let alone for women born in the early part of the 20th century. Not only did the less educated sisters have higher mortality rates, but their mental and physical abilities were much more limited if they did not, if they did reach old age. These data are in keeping with earlier findings. As early as the 19th century, British scientists had discovered a strong link between education and health. Third, language. Language skills also had a significant impact on health and well-being in old age. The data from the non-study tended to confirm that healthy subjects were more proficient in sophisticated word use. They were apt at using multisyllabic words such as particularly, privilege, and quarantined. In contrast, the sisters who later developed Alzheimer's more frequently used monosyllabic words such as girls, boys, and sick. Fourth, nutrition. What mattered was not just the quality of the food, the social environment of the meal also mattered. Snowden wrote, quote, What I now know for sure is that nutrition for healthy aging is not just about eating certain foods or downing a certain milligrams of prescribed number of vitamins each day. It also depends on where we eat, whom we eat with, and whether the meal nourishes our heart, mind, and soul, as well as our body." Unquote. 5. Positive Emotions A positive outlook, especially early in life, contributed to longevity and well-being. In the autobiographies the sisters had written when they were an average age of 22 years old, Positive emotional content strongly predicted who would live the longest lives. The sisters who scored the lowest number of positive emotion sentences had twice the risk of death at any age when compared to those who were in the highest group. This is a most extraordinary finding. A writing sample from early adult life offered a powerful clue as to who would be alive more than six decades later, Snowden observed. Interestingly, Snowden refers to two factors that contributed to longevity and well-being, which was not tested by the non-study design. And yet, after 15 years of working with the sisters, I believe strongly in their importance, he observed. The first is the deep spirituality that these women shared. Profound faith buffers the sorrows and tragedies 
that all of us experienced Snowden wrote. Moreover, evidence is now starting to accumulate from other studies that prayer and contemplation have a positive influence on long-term health and well-being. A Stanford Research Institution study, for example, has concluded that the inner life, rather than externals, is central to health and happiness. And finally, community. Convincing evidence is accumulating from other research, including those cited earlier in this article, that strong relationships as in marriage, membership in churches, clubs, or other social groups, and regular contact with family and friends all reduce the risk of death from the major killers such as coronary heart disease and stroke and enhance longevity. Community was a significant support system that the sisters shared. A summary. Summarizing the data from research cited, here is a list of attitudes and behaviors that enable us to age gracefully. Exercise of body and also of mind through intellectual pursuits, maintaining curiosity and eagerness to learn. Nutrition, including a positive eating ambience. Maintaining positive emotions. Balancing independence and dependence. Optimism and hope. Sense of humor. Thankful living, nostalgic reminiscences, helping others through generative activities, caring for and learning from future generations, healing from negative emotions, forgiveness, deep spirituality, and close relationships and community. introspection. What do the research findings on aging gracefully evoke in you? Which of the factors that promote graceful aging are you practicing? To which of these do you think you need to give greater attention? What are the implications for you personally, for your family or community? You may be aware of persons like Sister Gladys who have been able to age gracefully. What can you learn from such persons?
prayer. The Bible mentions a number of persons who have aged gracefully, remaining active and generative into ripe old age, such as the patriarchs Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, and Moses and David, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and others. The Gospel of John, in chapter 21, verses 18 to 19, has a scene in which Jesus describes what will happen to Peter in old age. We could read and stay with this passage or the stories concerning the other figures mentioned above and spend some time talking to God about what is evoked in us through this podcast and our reading and reflection. Have a blessed and safe weekend and thank you for listening.